The following message is from Christian Life Austin. For more information about Christian Life, please visit clcaustin.com. Thank you for listening. Thank you, thank you. Happy Mother's Day. You can be seated. What a wonderful day. It's one of my favorite days of the year. Not just because I am a mom, because I love to honor other moms. And I want to start with my own mom. I'm blessed to still have her. 83 years old and possibly the sweetest woman alive. Love my mother. And I want to honor my three daughters who made me a mom. Misty, Cassidy, and Caitlin. And if they're in the building, I'd love for them to stand. They may not be. They may be being mom right now. And I want to honor all the women here today, whether you have physically birthed the child or you've adopted or you've fostered or you've mentored or you've nurtured anybody, I want to thank you. I want to say hats off to you because there's nothing like the love of a mother. And happy Mother's Day. We honor you. Also, real quick, before I get started, happy 14th birthday to our grandson, Connor Jake, today, and happy 18th birthday to his big brother, Caden, tomorrow. So, I had to say that. Today, we honor mothers for Mother's Day, but I realize that this audience is more than just mothers, so I've prepared something that will apply to all of us. A buzzword that has been around for a few years and has taken the internet by storm is life hack. If you scroll on the internet any length of time, you will likely run across a life hack video, picture, or article of little things that can make our lives better, easier, and less complicated. If you don't know what I'm referring to, let me give you the definition of life hack. A simple and clever tip or technique for accomplishing some familiar tasks more easily and efficiently, or any procedure or action that solves a problem simplifies a task, reduces frustration in everyone's day life. The original hack idea was used by computer programmers wanting to manipulate a computer program in a skillful and creative manner. Well, today, the term encompasses much more. Websites with names such as lifehacker.com, lifehack.org, and lifehackery.com, they cover general tips for organizing and improving all parts of your life. Let me show you some examples of life hacks found on the internet now these days. How to fill a bucket from a shallow sink with a dustpan. Pretty clever. Use tabs to create extra hanging space for those small closets. To remove the stem from a strawberry, use a straw. Very neat. Put a wooden spoon across a boiling pot of water to keep it from boiling over. And when you're grocery shopping, take a picture of your fridge and you'll never struggle to remember what you need to buy at the grocery. (laughs) Use half of a pool noodle to protect your car door from slamming against the garage wall. That's a good one. And repurpose a tube sock to hold your phone while you work out. (laughs) Who thinks these up? Well, today I want to share some life hacks for life that I've assembled that are simple straightforward, doable to make our lives more trouble-free, enjoyable, and profitable. Life hack number one, be grateful and content. A foursome of senior golfers hit the course with waning enthusiasm for the sport. 
These fairways seem to be getting longer and longer, said one of the foursome. And the hills are getting steeper as the years go by, another one complained. The sand traps seem to be bigger than I remember them too, said the third senior. After hearing enough from his buddies, the oldest and the wisest of the four of them at 87 years old piped up and said, Oh, my friends, we just need to be thankful we're still on this side of the grass. (laughs) The Bible clearly teaches us to be content no matter what our circumstances are. Philippians 4, 11 to 13 says, I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Yet in our consumeristic culture, where discontent is promoted and material gratification is encouraged, learning to be content can be very difficult. So if contentedness is so great, how do you get there? That's not always easy, but here are a few things that have worked for me. One way is to count your blessings. When you find yourself unhappy with something or with what you don't have, take a moment to count all the good things in your life. And I would imagine there are many. It puts the focus on what you do have rather than what you don't. It is impossible to develop contentment without gratitude. They are inseparable. And a grateful person is one who has learned to focus on the good things in their life, not the things they lack. When you begin to question what you have to be grateful for, start making a list, a literal list of all the good things in your life. This will help you get your focus back together. Another way to learn contentment is to take time to appreciate your life. I like to reflect on my life and all the good things in it on a regular basis. Think of all the things and people you're thankful for. A heart of gratitude leaves no room for complaining, for it is impossible to be truly thankful and filled with negativity at the same time. A grateful heart opens up the door for continued blessings, and it invites his presence. Our spirits are refreshed and renewed in him. God loves to give good gifts to his children. He delights in our thankfulness and pours out his spirit in favor over those who give honor and gratitude to him. Last Christmas Day, it was a Sunday, we had enjoyed such a wonderful day, and then all the family came over for a delicious meal, and then the opening of Christmas gifts, which takes forever, because we like to open them one at a time. It is an event when you have 15 people opening each gift one at a time. But when we were done, and everyone started to pitch in and clean up the kitchen, and all the aftermath of the day... Sweet Fasayo, who is a member of our church, had given Rex and I a Google Home as a Christmas gift a few days earlier. By the way, I love it, and I use it all the time to listen to music. So Jaron had set it up for us that day to listen to Christmas music throughout the day. Someone instructed Google to play hymns. How Great Thou Art began playing loudly, and as I was washing dishes at the sink, I looked around and saw all my family working together busily straightening my home, and everyone was singing out loud along with the song. I couldn't help myself. I began to weep, tears of joy, happiness, gratefulness, and experienced one of the warmest moments of my life. Contentment 
also comes by taking control of your attitude. A person who lacks contentment in their life will often engage in the when and then thinking. When I get blank, then I will be happy. Instead, take control of your own life. Remember, your happiness is not reliant on the acquisition of any possession. Your happiness is based solely on your decision to be happy. This is one of the most important lessons in life that you could ever learn. Two friends met on the street. One looked sad and almost on the verge of tears. The other man said, hey, friend, how come you look like the whole world has caved in? The sad fellow said, let me tell you, three weeks ago, an uncle died and left me $50,000. Well, that's not bad at all. Hold on, I'm just getting started, he said. Two weeks ago, a cousin I never knew kicked the bucket and left me 95000 tax-free. Well, that's great. I'd love that. Last week, my grandfather passed away. I inherited almost a million. So why so glum? This week, nothing. (laughs) To have contentment, we must stop comparing yourself to others. Comparing your life with someone else's will always lead to discontentment. There will always be people who appear to be better off than you and seemingly living the perfect life. But be advised, we always compare the worst of what we know about ourselves to the best assumptions that we make of others. Their life is never as perfect as your mind makes it out to be. Don't compare yourself to others. Compare yourself to the person you were yesterday. One of the best ways to have contentment and be grateful is to help and serve others. When you begin helping others, sharing your talents, time, and money, you will find yourself learning to be content. The practice will give you a finer appreciation for what you own, who you are, and what you have to offer. When you give of yourself towards helping someone else, volunteering in the community, or here at the church, you will find a deep sense of contentment. If you're only a consumer and not a giver, you will live a sad, self-centered life of discontent. Volunteering your time, money, or energy to help others doesn't just make the world better. It also makes you better. Serving is good for your soul. Life hack number two I want to share with you today. Pray more and worry less. Bobby McFerrin's smash hit, Don't Worry, Be Happy, resonated with millions of people who just hoped that it could be that easy. It isn't. We all wrestle with anxiety. After all, there's lots of things to worry about. Money, health, family, career, you can fill in the rest. One of the more popular approaches to addressing worries these days is the suggestion to set aside a 30-minute period of time to do your worrying. Have you ever tried this? It doesn't work. (laughs) Trying to confine worry to a time slot is about as doable as herding cats. The good news is that the scriptures give us clear direction when the burdens of life press in on us. Paul was a man who had a lot to worry about. There were a lot of those struggling new churches, his concern for those who had not heard the gospel yet, not to mention his own health and safety. But it was while he was under confinement in Rome that he wrote some of the most memorable words on worry and anxiety that God has always used to encourage his people ever since. These remarkable words are found in Philippians 4, 6 through 8. In these verses, we were given two antidotes to anxiety. 
verses 6 and 7, Paul writes, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. These are amazing words. We are told not to worry about anything, but to pray about everything. There are several different words for prayer in verses 6. The first is a general word for prayer, and the second two words refer to specific prayer requests. We worry specifically, so why not pray specifically? Worried about that unexpected bill? Pray specifically for the Lord's provision. Worried about that diagnosis? Pray specifically for wisdom for the way forward. Remarkably, we are promised that when we pray, the Lord will give us peace instead of anxiety. It is the kind of peace that defies all the circumstances that we face. God's peace is not the absence of conflict, but a settled security grounded in our relationship with him. Paul writes that God's peace will safeguard our hearts and minds. But Paul didn't stop there. He gives us another antidote to anxiety. There's a good reason that verse 8 follows verses 6 and 7. In verses 6 and 7, we're told that prayer is the place to begin. But then in verse 8 and 9, we're told what to think instead of worrying. Paul gives us some important principles to think about. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. Essentially, we are challenged to think about what we think about. Each of these words represents a brand new view to replace the worry weeds that can crowd into the landscape of our minds. Whatever is true, that first phrase, this is the foundation for the rest. We're blessed to have the truth of God's word, which includes all of his wonderful promises. Worried about finances? The truth is, my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory. Worried that you won't have the strength to carry on? The truth is, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. If you're feeling lonely, isolated, or neglected, the truth is, I will never leave you or forsake you. Instead of worrying, spend some time plumbing the depths of this new way of thinking. For several years, a woman had been having trouble getting to sleep at night because she feared burglars. One night, her husband heard a noise in the house. He went downstairs to investigate. When he got there, he did indeed find a burglar. Good evening, said the man of the house. I am pleased to see you. Come upstairs and meet my wife. She's been waiting 10 years to meet you. An average person's anxiety and worry is focused on 40% of things that will never happen. 30% of things about the past that can't be changed. 12% about things about criticism by others and mostly untrue. 10% about health, which only gets worse with stress. And 8% about real problems that will be faced. Is it easier to worry or pray? Think about it. When you're faced with any situation, what exactly is your default position? A, worry, or B, pray? Most of us, including me, tend to choose A. In any situation, we worry about everything, then likely remember to pray when things are looking like they're spiraling out of control. But I'm learning to trust God more. If 
by praying in every situation, regardless of the circumstance, it's helped my peace a great deal. The old hymn says, Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. My desire for you today is that you will superimpose worry with prayer while waiting and that instead of worrying, you will pray. Life hack number three, forgive. A six-year-old was overheard reciting the Lord's Prayer at a church service. And forgive us our trash passes as we forgive those who passed trash against us. (laughs) I wonder if you've seen these pictures that have been going around lately. The get-along shirt, have you heard about it? You don't even have to know what they did or what happened, but their, their faces tell the whole story. I love it. I wish I'd had known this about mm, eight, 15, 18 years ago. <laughs> I want to talk about forgiveness, letting go of grudges and bitterness. Ephesians 4, 31 and 32 said, Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. When someone you care about hurts you, you can hold on to anger, resentment, and thoughts of revenge or embrace forgiveness and move forward. All of us in this room have been hurt by the actions or words of somebody. Perhaps someone betrayed your confidence, your colleague sabotaged a product, a project, or your spouse had an affair. These wounds can leave you with lasting feelings of anger, bitterness, and even vengeance. But if you don't practice forgiveness, you might be the one who pays most dearly. By embracing forgiveness, you can also embrace peace, hope, gratitude, and joy. Consider how forgiveness can lead you down the path of physical, emotional, and spiritual well-being. What is forgiveness, you ask? It is a decision to let go of resentment and thoughts of revenge. The act that hurt or offended you might always remain a part of your life. But forgiveness can lessen its grip on you and help you focus on other, more positive parts of your life. Forgiveness doesn't mean that you deny the other person's responsibility for hurting you, and it doesn't minimize or justify the wrong. You can forgive the person without forgiving the act. Forgiveness doesn't excuse their behavior. It prevents their behavior from destroying your heart. Forgiveness brings a kind of peace that helps you go on with life. The preacher's Sunday sermon was, Forgive Your Enemies. Toward the end of the service, he asked his congregation, How many of you have forgiven your enemies? About half held up their hands. So he repeated his question. And as it was past lunchtime, this time about 80% held up their hands. He then repeated the question again. And all responded except one small elderly lady. Mrs. Jones, required the preacher, Aren't you willing to forgive your enemies? I don't have any, she replied, smiling sweetly. Mrs. Jones, that's very unusual. How old are you? Ninety-three, she replied. Oh, Mrs. Jones, what a blessing and a lesson you are to us. Would you please come down in front of the congregation and tell us all, how can a person live 93 years and not have an enemy in the world? The little sweetheart of a lady tottered down the aisle, faced the congregation and said, I outlived the old hags.
You can't change others' actions or behaviors. Forgiveness is more about how it can change your life by bringing you peace, happiness, and emotional and spiritual healing. It can take away the power the other person continues to wield in your life. Forgiveness is a choice. It is the process of uncovering and letting go of anger. Not forgiving is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to get hurt or die. Ultimately, forgiveness equals freedom. Life hack number four, laugh. Proverbs 17, 22, a cheerful disposition is good for your health. Doom and gloom leave you bone tired. Laughter is a powerful and free medicine that we're not taking enough of. Sharing a genuine laugh with someone can be enough to brighten our day no matter how down and out we feel. Laughter is a stress reducer, immunity booster, and a heart helper. Audrey Hepburn said, I love people who make me laugh. I honestly think it's the thing I like most, to laugh. It cures a multitude of ills. It's probably the most important thing in a person. Charlie Chaplin said, laughter is the tonic, the relief, the aid for pain. Have you ever been super stressed at work or school? Maybe you have a deadline to meet and you're nowhere near meeting it. But then a friend tells you a story that made you laugh so hard. It's amazing how much better an explosive laugh can make us feel. A funny story I want to share. My granny Jones was 96 years old and she was dying. She was on her deathbed. All the family had been gathered around her for days, and she was very weak and feeble and couldn't speak much. And, but when she would, everybody would gather and try to listen so closely to what she had to say. And one day she, she started trying to speak, and my four aunts, her daughters, right there at her, what, Mom, what, what can we get you? What do you need? And she's trying to mumbling, telling them something. And they said, you want us to pray? Okay, we're going to pray. We all gathered around and prayed for God to give her strength and give her peace. She's shaking her head. No. What, what, what do you want, Mom? And they're listening close. And she, you want us to sing? All right, let's all sing. And we started singing, what a day that will be when my Jesus I shall see. And she's shaking her head. <laughs> she's getting frustrated. She's irritated. And the girls are like, what, what, what do you want us to do? You want us to call your pastor? Let somebody call the pastor. Let's get the pastor here. She's just, "Mm, no, we're not getting it. And finally, she musters up some extra strength, extra gumption, and she feebly goes, C-O-K-E. She wanted a Coke. She wanted a Coca-Cola. Needless to say, that brought levity to that very tense moment. In time in our lives. All of life's junk, breakups, bad days, car accidents, family drama, relationship problems, you name it, seem worse when we're dealing with them in real time than they are in the big picture. Keep the events of every day in perspective by asking yourself the question, is this really a big deal in the grand scheme of things? If the source of stress isn't something you're going to remember next week, next month, next year, lighten up. Search for the humor or irony in the situation and laugh it off. Smile. Robert Frost said, if we couldn't laugh, we would all go insane. There's another funny story I want to tell you. There are so many funny things that happen in church. 
Growing up as a pastor's kid and then as a pastor's wife, I could write pages of funny stories. One in particular from my childhood stands out. Back in the day, we had testimony time in our services. People would voluntarily stand up at their seat and testify to the goodness of God in their life. One such service was happening at my home church with my dad leading it at the pulpit. A rather large woman stood from the back row to testify. Her six- to seven-year-old son was seated beside her. My dad's view was of the standing woman and her son. The son noticed that his mother's dress had gotten tucked into the lower back side when she stood. And he decided he needed to help her out a little at a time. As she spoke to the church, he was doing this. She was shooing him with her hand. And my dad's trying to compose himself watching this all happen. After several attempts to help his mother, the little boy decided she must want it that way, so he he helped her out, tucked it all back in. Needless to say, my dad closed that testimony service out as soon as he could, and I don't think we had many more after that. Life hack number five, it's the little things that makes life big. We're all familiar with the sound of music songs sung by Julie Andrews. These are a few of my favorite things. All of the things she lists in the song are simple, everyday things, but they can bring us the most joy, it seems. Raindrops on roses, whiskers on kittens, bright copper kettles, warm woolen mittens, brown paper packages tied up with strings. These are a few of my favorite things. Dr. Glenn Williams, senior lecturer in psychology at Nottingham Trent University, said, An effective route to happiness is not necessarily through experiencing major events that we might have planned out, such as getting married, moving into a house, getting that all-important promotion, or even being on a lavish vacation. Rather, it is the small and often unexpected pleasures in life that can make us smile each and every day and help us build happier and more meaningful lives. I've enjoyed the travels we've been privileged to take, and I've seen some pretty impressive places. I've traveled to several countries all over the U.S., and I've seen gorgeous views and wonders. I've met important people in society. I've dined at fine restaurants. I've been in famous sporting events. But in spite of the grandeur of exotic places to go, see, and do, it's the little things that really seem to bring me joy. Don't get me wrong. I love all the big events in my life. They're incredible. Committing my life to Jesus at a young age, marrying the man of my dreams, becoming a mother to three amazing daughters, and all three of their beautiful romances and weddings, becoming pastors of this awesome church, and being at all of my grandchildren's births, and about to see our oldest grandson, Caden, graduate high school. Truly big, wonderful life events I'll never forget. But there's something about the little simple things in life that happen on any given day, possibly every day, that really brings so much warmth, happiness, and contentment. A few of my favorite things are climbing into bed with fresh, clean sheets, getting that parking spot right by the entrance, waking up before my alarm goes off, realizing I can continue sleeping for a few more hours, the smell of rain, wearing warm clothes straight from the dryer, sleeping while the rain gently beats against my window, smelling the scent of places that I love, 
enjoying my hot cup of tea every afternoon that's like a spa in a cup, finding money in a pocket or purse that I had forgot about, having the right timing so that I could hit all the green lights, smelling fresh cut grass, hearing a baby or a young child laugh, coming home to the smell of a meal cooking in the crock pot, popping bubble wrap, the smell of new books. I just noticed that several of my favorite things have to do with my sense of smell. (laughs) Winnie the Pooh said, Sometimes the smallest things take up the most room in your heart. All it takes is the awareness to take note of all the beautiful little things in your life. You can always rush through life without looking right or left, but you can also pause for a moment to appreciate the beauty of a simple pleasure that you've just come across. If you become more aware of the joyful little things in your life, your life will become more pleasant. These seemingly little things hold the magnificent power to turn gray and stressful days into days that are a little bit brighter. When Caroline FaceTimes me to tell me that Bunny, her prized possession, has been a good boy today and he's taken a nap, makes me giddy inside. When I hug little Finley and ask him if he's Sweet Pea's boy and he says, yes, I melt. Picking Windsor up from kindergarten class and him holding my hand, telling me about his day as we walk to my car makes me happy. Holding our youngest granddaughters, Ellery and Lennon, as they sleep in my arms is bliss. And having my family over every Sunday night for family night is loud and can be chaotic. But when they leave, I'm smiling as I sweep up crumbs and wipe away sticky messes because I'm so blessed to have such a wonderful family that brings me such happiness, mostly in the little things. This past Friday, I was so happy to spend the day with the girls who made me a mother. We ate, shopped, ate, spent time at a spa, ate, saw a movie, shopped more, and ate, and laughed a lot. You know, happiness is a choice. You can discover happiness from even the tiniest and small things in life. But if you're only seeking or waiting on the big things or moments in life, you will never be able to fully appreciate the simple pleasures of your life. And those golden moments will pass you by. Enjoy the little things in life because one day you will look back and realize they were the big things. I've been talking today about life hacks, and to sum it all up, all of the things I've mentioned, and there are so many more, if practiced regularly, our lives would be less complicated, less stressed, fuller, and more enjoyable. But I want to close with this. At our wedding, Rex sang two songs to me. Before he left the platform to take my hand to stand before the pastor, he spoke to me about how he had felt like he'd been in a very dark room. When I came into his world, he likened it to the sunshine brightening up his life. He then sang, you are my sunshine to me. Needless to say, I was a puddle. (laughs) A couple of weeks ago, he came home from the office and asked me if I had checked our email. I said I had earlier in the day, and he said, well, he noticed we had an email that he was concerned about, and he wanted me to go check on it. I wordly opened up my laptop, and this is what I found. You are my sunshine. My only sunshine You make me happy When skies are gray You'll never know, dear How much I love you Please don't take my sunshine
Because you see, it really is the little things that make life big. Happy Mother's Day. I love you all. God bless you.